comics whenever. Hey, I'm Joe Hills from jackofallblades.com. I'm Art Frederick from uh, jackofallblades.com also. And we're here with the podcast that updates whenever Webcomics Weekly doesn't. And uh, let's see, this is uh, February uh, 10th. 10th, yes. Tuesday, February 10th, uh, 2009. Uh, last time we saw our good friends at Webcomics Weekly, it was February 2nd, so it's time for another update for us. Now, kind of humorously, though, uh, Webcomics Weekly updated like twice in a row since our last podcast, like three days apart, and then they missed a week. So, uh, you know, you guys need to pace yourself a little bit uh, better or we're going to keep showing up. I actually, I, I was really pleased that they uh, did the double update, especially because I felt like the second update was particularly good. I was disappointed that they didn't talk about Asset Bar very much, which both uh, Kurtz and Straub are now using. And I've seen a couple other people on the web, like Akewood, have jumped on that train. And uh, that's going to go ahead and lead us into our topic for today, which is revenue. Like, how, how do you get it? What do you do? We're people who are starting out. We don't have the massive fan bases they do, so we can't just jump on board with Asset Bar and sell tens of thousands of people something for $2 each. So where do we start? That's a good question. Um, we uh, fairly recently, uh, shortly before our first podcast a couple weeks ago, uh, went to our first convention to kind of, you know, scope out the scene because everyone kind of says uh, that you need to, uh, like the con scene's really important to sales. That's where you meet people, that's where you get connections, and that's where you uh, move some of your product. And you can kind of see also what other people are making and what's in style at the moment. Now, one of the things that we were... Um, it was kind of impressed upon us that buttons were a great starter item because you can buy a lot of them. They're a low cost per unit. You can pretty much give them away at conventions or sell them on your website. And so we started looking at buttons. Now, ideally, our first item that we would start selling people would be books because we're both in this because we like to tell stories. Our goal is to be good storytellers. And there is, you know, there are very few things that can tell a story as well as a book or a DVD or something that contains the actual story itself. Unfortunately, uh, when Jack of All Blades started, Art and his uh, compadre were pretty impressed with Scott McCloud and the idea of the infinite canvas. Could you talk a little bit about the decision-making process that went into this? Well, at the very beginning, I guess also, I didn't see the comic ever becoming very popular so I never really considered the idea that it might ever be compiled in a book form. So I decided, well, it's going to be on the internet for sure. I should make it as best I can for the internet. And that meant that uh, I'd uh, make sure that uh, the comics, they all ended at a good point, a high point, a funny point. Just uh, every comic had some content in it uh, that was of interest. And so that meant that uh, we'd just use the infinite canvas. And if I needed to make a 30-panel comic, I technically could. I don't think I ever have, though. Now, um, what this means is, instead of a... they don't We don't use a truly infinite canvas. We use what we like to call infi uh, infinite by 600, or 600 by infinite, depending on which way you look at things. Every comic is exactly 600 pixels wide, but its height can vary. Some of them are three or four panels and might be, I don't know, uh, 500 pixels tall. Other ones, however, like we've had comics that if you printed them out, they would be taller than I am because we had huge turning points in the story where we just wanted to have a monster update and just, you know, really show the reader what was go what we were capable of and, like, how the story was shifting. And uh, 
So these ambitious comics, while they definitely paid off in feedback from the readers, have left us with a product that we could only sell printed on one continuous piece of paper like a scroll. Which would, I mean, be kind of neat, be able to buy Jackwell Blade scrolls and just have one chapter in a one real, real long sheet. Unfortunately, though, uh, that's not even that feasible because uh, at the startup, uh, my friend that I worked with and I uh, did not save the uh, source files, which is a real clever thing to do because uh, now there's no scaling up, there's no high quality. We just really had to make remake the first 70 comics or so if we ever wanted to compile them in scroll form anyways. And this is a pretty big roadblock to printing a book, as you can tell. So uh, there's our first choice of merchandise. So I've got another side project, Industrial Revolutionary, that uh, only has 100 comics in it. It's kind of a side story that uh, ties in to our main story. And I thought, okay, well, why don't we print this? It's a four-panel black-and-white thing that I designed from the beginning to be high contrast, easy to read. This should be perfect for a book. Well, unfortunately, part of the idea of me doing a five-day-a-week uh, strip was that it was going to have to be easy for me to produce, and I could you know, make the comic really quickly every day. So there's a lot of copy and pasting. So much copy and pasting, in fact, that when I actually tried laying this out in Illustrator, it pretty much looked like a flip book where no one really moved. Like, the bubble positioning would change and the characters' faces would change, but if you just looked at the pages, it was horrifically boring. And so now I've got this conundrum of, you know, do I take this story that I really enjoyed telling and never, you know, sell it as a book, or do I try and put that, or, or do I try and take that story, have a, an actual artist redraw it, and then sell that, which I could do, you know, next month or two months from now. I could hire somebody and have them start drawing now and have a book ready to sell by the summer con circuits. Or do I put off other projects of my own and say, well, I know I was going to spend three hours a day on these projects, but I'm going to take an hour every day and just work on redoing Industrial Revolutionary, which will set me back pretty far on everything else I want to do. And so it's, it's just a mess. And so then we're looking at, well, books on hiatus for right now. We don't know what we're doing with books. What else can we sell? Well, we can sell buttons. Now, buttons are interesting because they're cheap enough that you could give them away if you couldn't sell them, and they'd still be a good marketing tool for your comic, especially if you get, like, the URL around the rim, that sort of thing. Yeah, if you don't have the URL, they're not a good marketing anything. <laughs> yeah, you want the URL. That's crucial. But my concern with buttons is I look online, and I see they're selling on uh, Topedo Co., uh, is it Topatico? Yeah. Yeah. Um, or Topatico. I don't know, actually know how it's pronounced. Well, it's very simpatico regardless. Anyway, I feel like these five-pack of buttons or four-pack of buttons for $6, that is what people are reasonably willing to pay for buttons right now. I can accept that. But I, I go into a restaurant, and there's no one there. You know, there's I, I walk down the street, there's all these empty houses, all these foreclosures. I'm just a little bit concerned that if Art and I dump, uh, you know, a couple, if, let's say we dump $500 on buttons to get them down to a really good cost per unit, say 20 cents each. Um, well, we might never be able to sell those. And is that money that would be better put into, like I said, hiring an artist to redraw strips? Or, you know, should we be saving that money for future work that we might want to publish? Uh, there are some other things that you can sell, like mouse pads. I, I don't know about mouse pads because it seems like these days a lot of people, the, the mice just keep getting better and better, so you don't need it as much. Uh, T-shirts, people are going to wear shirts, you know. Um, 
And t-shirt's not a bad idea because, I mean, a t-shirt for a webcomic, what, it run you 16 to 20 $25 for a really expensive one? Well, you're going you're gonna to wear a t-shirt. I mean, it's not like uh, as big of a, uh, you know, economic concern as like, well, I could spend $6 bu on buttons, but I don't really need buttons. Well, I need a shirt. I'll pay a few extra dollars to make sure I get one that I like. And especially because, you know, shirts are something that you can wear. They, they, they warm you. No matter how bad the economy gets, people will still need things that warm them. Uh, and, and I can think of, you know, a couple other things that fill similar niches. Uh, you can get hats and stuff embroidered. And I always thought it would be kind of cool to do that. I've actually uh, seen a guy at the mall who does this stuff. And really, if we just, you know, on a case-by-case -case basis, took a design to him and got it printed on a hat... Not the nicest hat in the world, but still a hat. We could get these for about eight to twelve dollars a piece, and so you know, if we're selling them for then fifteen or sixteen, that's not that's not horrible. That kind of makes me think. You know, I haven't actually looked into bulk hat resellers and bulk hat embroiderers, but that might be a, an interesting market to push further into. Um, at this, still at the same time, it's secondary in that it promotes your story or it promotes elements of the type of storytelling you use, or the characters, or the humor. But it is not the story, you know? Um, whereas if you have an actual book, or if you're, let's say you're making uh, flash animations, you know, an actual DVD, or something that physically gives people a copy of your work, you know, that, that's so much more lasting. And then I feel, uh, really, a book is one of the best recruiting tools for something like that, because, uh, you know, I have a lot of friends who I've tried to get to read Starslip, but you know, short of giving them a copy of the book, most of them won't read it. Now, the, if I do say, hey, here's this book, you should borrow it and read it, yeah, they'll usually read it all the way through and go, oh, okay, that's pretty good. I never would have given that a try because I'm really lazy, <laughs> you know. Um, but, yeah, so it's just one of those things, especially in our case, since we have such a limited amount of money, we got to figure out where do we put it. Yeah, and uh, it's also real important, too, that uh, we'd get a return on where we put the money because if we... Uh, make back what we uh, put into it and then some, well, then we can try something else. And then uh, we can reinvest the money back again and again and again into uh, the company to the point where uh, we can have multiple things that are all bringing in money instead of just uh, putting all the eggs in one basket. And also, they've talked about in Webcomics Weekly, sometimes things are a dud. Uh, I mean, I'm sure that uh, if we try a dozen different things uh, uh, to sell, couple of them just aren't going to make any money, and you have to learn from that. Yeah, and, and that's that's just kind of what makes me nervous, is uh, with the amount of money I have, when I'm looking at do I pay an artist to help me produce books, or do I, make a whole, do I print a whole bunch of cups or magnets or something that's really gimmicky? Uh, like, I'm, I'm just concerned. What, what is the intrinsic value of the actual item? Because let's say you did have a whole bunch of cups or Nalgene bottles. Let's say you, you printed... Uh, a strip on the side of a Nalgene bottle and you ordered 500 of them, you couldn't offload them to your comic readers because for whatever reason, your readers are all broke. Well, people like Nalgene bottles enough that they will buy them. They don't necessarily care what's on it. It might not create a reader for you, but you can still make back some of the money that you paid, if not break even, just because of the intrinsic value of the bottle. Now, the buttons, that that's where I get kind of nervous because... We want to make sure when we design them that the artwork is not just representative of the comic and would appeal to our readers, but is also, you know, 
good enough and attractive enough that people who don't necessarily like our comic or know our comic might detect, like, if the characters on the buttons convey an attitude, people who want to demonstrate that attitude or who identify with that attitude might buy the buttons anyway. So, you know, you just got to have, you got to push past just what would make the readers happy to what would make a consumer happy, what, what really conveys something. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, telling a story, you know, or conveying something like that on just a one-inch or one-and-a-quarter-inch button is not going to be the easiest thing in the world. But, you know, when you're paying 500 bucks for 2500 or something, it's usually a good idea to make sure they don't all suck. Yeah. Definitely. Um, let's see. We had uh, talked in the past on other options of uh, potential money makers, and one of them that just seems like one of the best, or would be one of the neatest to make, but probably the most doomed. Ice sculptures? Well, ice sculptures would be pretty neat. They'd also be very doomed. Okay. I do what I can. <laughs> uh, would be like uh, making plush characters, because uh, in our comic we uh, have, uh, as nerdy as it is, a couple of characters that are penguins. And... Uh, <laughs> Or do you want to explain why we have characters that are penguins? Because this goes back to your first webcomic, and so it's really your story, not mine. Okay, well, um, many, many years ago when I was a dumb high schooler rather than a uh, dumb college student... Um, You're a I... professional student now. Be, be proud of that. <laughs> okay. Well, anyways, many years ago, I did a comic called The Day It Snowed, and uh, it was a comic about penguins that really didn't have much of a plot, and is kind of a... Uh, artist indulgent comic because all the characters are based on me and my friends and uh i picked the penguins because uh i can't couldn't draw then at all i mean i i'm not a good artist now back then i was far worse but i could actually pull off drawing penguins and so uh then when i kind of got tired of that one and moved on to jack of all blades uh there are certain aspects of the uh world that i had created in the first one that i uh really enjoyed and wanted to uh bring over to the new one kind of keep some of the same experiences while getting rid of a lot of the stuff that I did bad, bad, wrong. It's pretty and, much the hardest reboot you could consider an actual reboot, or... Well, everything uh, in the day it's known is not canon to Jack of All Blades, but uh, it kind of gives you a little deeper look at the world that I'm trying to build. Some of the stuff uh, crosses over between the two worlds, but most of it uh, I'd just call a happy experiment. <laughs> But So pretty much, we have these characters that are penguins, because that's all that art could draw at the time. Now, one side benefit of this is that they are really cute, and people really like them. Uh, you know, So yeah, like Art was saying, it would be really great to be able to make plushes of them, but plushes are problematic for a couple reasons. One, all these new laws about lead testing that I don't want to bother learning about. So, you know, that's Art's problem. Second, plushes have a lot of volume. Like, if you have boxes and boxes of plushes, it's not like having 2,500 buttons where, you, you know, you stick them under the coffee table and hope nobody kicks them while they're drunk. It's like having closets and closets with tribbles just pouring out. It's really not a great situation. And you do have to get them in bulk, too. You can't just go, oh, I'll order five of them to fulfill these orders and uh, order some more as I need them. You're going to have to buy in several, I don't know, hundreds? Probably approaching thousands. Not probably not approaching thousands. You might be able to get five to seven hundred. Yeah. But and th this is realistically though, in order to make money, if your goal is to make money in the long run, you have to be willing to suck it up and buy in bulk early, and that's really scary because for us, we're thinking, wow, what if our fan base can't support this amount of whatever item we're buying? 
Um, so what we're looking at is anything that we buy, we want to make sure three years down the line, four years down the line, even if we can't necessarily sell it for the same price we set now, if we wanted to, you know, throw them in for free when you order a book, fans would still be like, oh, that's pretty cool. It's a retro Jack of All Blades pin rather than, oh, my God, you guys really sucked back then. Why the hell would you pay money for this? <laughs> um, but, yeah, so it, there's this balance between, you know, how many units do you order to keep your price per unit down and, you know, how many you think you'll actually be able to sell and how many you can store. Like, part of the thing with the buttons is we're, we're looking at it and going, okay, we would love to be able to sell five buttons at $6 or $5 or whatever. But realistically, if the economy doesn't support that in one year, how okay are we with just giving away $475 worth of buttons? How, how okay is that? What are we missing out on by doing that? You know, is that the opportunity to pay someone to do a whole bunch of pages of drawing? Is that the opportunity to, um, you know, install another Left 4 Dead server? We uh, recently got a Left 4 Dead server um, just kind of as a community experiment to see if our fans would like to play. You know, so w what if, you know, we missed out on being able to pay for an extra server for a year or a couple things like that, you know? Um, so you got to really look at, if you only have $500 to spend on your comic, what do you lose by spending it in that way? And then you get to wonder, like, uh, if you do lose the money, is there some inherent gain to it? Such as, if we can't sell, uh, let's say, 200, 300 of the pins or more, but we go to several cons and we give them away. And what if uh, maybe one out of five of the people that we give them away to, it sticks? Would that uh, earn us our money back later if uh, we're able to make fans out of just a fraction of those people? If they turn around and buy a t-shirt, a book, a plush doll or whatever, that makes up for the button and then it's some. Yeah, and, and what, what really comes up here is the idea of how dependent are you on revenue from these things. Um, I have a day job right now, or it is in a professional program working towards a job that will pay five times as much as mine. And so, really, we aren't going to starve if we lose that $500 on buttons. But, at the same time, that's $500 that I could have spent going to San Diego Comic Con, or that I could have spent going to New York Comic Con, and possibly having some sort of experience that would help me develop as an artist. And so I have to ask... You know, am I confident enough in my abilities that I can say, you know what, San Diego Comic-Con can wait another year. New York Comic-Con can wait another year. Um, I don't need that right now to grow. Um, I think, do, do, let's see, do we want to get into anything else on this, or have we pretty much covered it? Um, this is uh, most of what I've uh, think about talking about. Um, we do, uh, of course, uh, like every episode before, and hopefully every episode from now, would like to uh, give you guys another taste of a uh, bad Geiger. So um, yeah, I'll let me, roll that. Let me pull that up real quick. Brad Geiger here, and I am the very model of a modern major general. And that was Tara from Eugene, Oregon. Um, feel free to email any of your bad Geiger impressions to webcomicswhenever at jackofallblades.com. All one word. All one word. Uh, we haven't really gotten that many uh, new submissions in since our second episode. We're still running through the first episode submissions. So if we don't get any more, uh, we've got a couple other ideas. Uh, we were kind of tossing around the idea of, uh, what was it with uh, Kurtz? Oh, Burning Bridges with Scott Kurtz. Really? This Burning Bridges with Scott Kurtz just writes itself. If you listen to any episode of Webcomics Whenever or read his Twitter feed... Webcomics Weekly. Uh, we're so, Webcomics Whenever. Yes. Double, <laughs> yeah, that's totally true. Um, 
the man constantly says hilarious things that alienate people. And I, I worry that it's almost like shooting fish in a barrel. But, uh, yeah, so, you know, we might have that coming up. We might have uh, more bad Geiger quotes. Just, uh, we'd love to answer your mail if you send us any sort of questions. Uh, we'd welcome those. Once again, webcomicswhenever at jackofallblades.com. Okay, I think that's about all I've got. Yep, I guess we'll see you guys next week. Or whenever. I'm not even sure the bad Geigers are trying anymore.